Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. We're continuing our thoughts and our meditation on the birth of our Savior, the Lord Jesus, as we're coming to uh, Christmas where we celebrate his birth. And so we, we are taking a break from the book of Genesis for a few weeks to um, focus on the events surrounding the birth of our Lord from the book of Matthew. From the book of Matthew. Today's passage will be from Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. It says, And Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David the king, And then if we go down to verse 17, it says, well, to verse 16. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Let's pray, and we'll get going. Father, we thank you so much um, for your word. We thank you that you speak to us through your word. We thank you that your Holy Spirit inspired these men to write your word. And we thank you that your Holy Spirit comes and takes your word and, and works it deep into our hearts and our lives today. And so, Father, that is what we ask is that your spirit would do a mighty work in each of us. Father, I pray that you will speak through me, that I would be a a clean and a pure vessel to be used by you. And that each of us would have hearts that are soft and receptive to receive the implanted word, which is able to save our souls. We thank you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I really love the lyrics to the last song that we just sang. Oh, come all you unfaithful. Some, some of them, starting in verse 1, it says this. Oh, come all you unfaithful. Come weak and unstable. Come. No, you are not alone. O come bearing and barren and waiting ones, weary of praying, come, see what your God has done. And then in verse 3 it says, O come bitter and broken, come with fears unspoken, come taste of his perfect love. Last week and this week we have been considering... The genealogy of our Lord Jesus that is found in the book of Matthew. And and two great truths that we find as we look at it that we highlighted last week is first of all, the genealogy of our Lord Jesus is the genealogy of a king. That Jesus is the king. 
And not only the king, he's the king of all kings. He's the king who is to sit on the throne of David for all of eternity. It was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7, that he would reign on the throne of David forever. And we see from Jesus' genealogy that he is the direct ancestor And in the direct lineage of David, the king, he will reign forever. But the second truth that we see from the genealogy of our Lord Jesus is how the Lord loves to use people that we wouldn't think of for his purposes and for his glory. Unsuspecting, unfaithful ones. People who are broken, sinful. And he he loves to use them to fulfill his purposes. And we see that in the genealogy of our Lord Jesus by the different people who he includes. During that time, whenever you would read a genealogy, women would never be mentioned. But here within the genealogy of our Lord Jesus... There are five women who are mentioned. Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, and then Mary. This would be unheard of. And for the original readers, the Jewish people who would be reading the book of Matthew, they would look at this and they would read it, and to them it would be scandalous. And it's incredible because the women that the Lord includes in the genealogy of our Lord Jesus, they didn't have the best reputations. They weren't known as these lily-white women who had never had sinned or anything, that they were just this model of perfection. In fact... When people could look at their life, they would look and say they were broken or they were unfaithful. Last week, we looked at the life of Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute. Her whole life was identified with sin. But the Lord worked in her life and turned her life around. And she became one of the great, 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 great grandmothers of our Lord. She wasn't even an Israelite. But she was adopted into the Jewish nation, into the Israelite nation, and she ended up becoming one of the great ancestors of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. She came in her sin, but she came by faith. And that's what Hebrews 11 tells us, that Rahab by faith, Protected the spies. But today, I want us to consider the life of Ruth. And that's why I read verse 5 of Matthew 1, verse 5. It says, And Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab, so we talked about Rahab last week, and then it says, And Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David, the king. 
O come all you unfaithful. O come, O come all who are weak and unstable, who are waiting and bitter and broken with fears unspoken. Ruth fits that category. And the story of Ruth is absolutely incredible. How the Lord worked in her life to bring her from where she was to end up being one of the great grandmothers of our Lord Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn over with me to the book of Ruth. Ruth chapter 1. Ruth chapter 1. It's not a very long book, and if you have time today or sometime this week, I I would encourage you to read through the whole book of Ruth. But I just want us right now to listen to chapter 1, and for us to consider some incredible truths from the life of Ruth in regards to our own lives coming to our Savior, the Lord Jesus, who is King. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. Now it's, in, it's important for us to understand the history of the Moabites. The Moabites came about, and we will get to this in our study in Genesis, when Lot had an incestuous relationship with his daughter, and the son that she bore was Moab, and he was the father of the Moabites. So the history of the Moabites was not a good history. But they went to Moab. He and his wife and his two sons... The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem and Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died. And she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives... The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Malon and Kilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, And they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. 
But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter. To me, for your sake, that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Mara means bitter. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem, Bethlehem, at the beginning of barley harvest. What, what, what an incredible story. What an incredible woman this Ruth was. And, and I think it's amazing because as we look at the life of Ruth the Moabitess, we see how she came to the Lord in, in complete surrender. She, she came to the God of Israel in complete faith and surrender. And it was amazing to see what the Lord ended up doing with her life. She became one of the ancestors of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. But I think as we consider her life and as we consider Naomi's life, there's two truths that I just want us to really think about in our own life. That first of all, Jesus is King. Come to Him in the midst of your pain. Because if one thing 
screams out from the page regarding Ruth and Naomi is they were going through a painful time. A grieving time. But not only that, Jesus is king. Come to him with unconditional commitment. And we see that in the life of Ruth. But first of all, Jesus is king. Come to him in your pain, in your grief, in your sorrow, in your hurt. Ruth and Naomi knew what it was like to feel pain, to feel grief, to have sorrow. First of all, I mean, consider in verses 1 through 5 for Naomi... To lose her home. It says, In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. It was so bad that they could, they could no longer remain because of the famine. So they lost their home. They had to leave. And then once they go to Moab things didn't really get any better. I mean, I mean, you continue on. The name of the man was Elimelech and the name of his wife Naomi and the name of his two sons were Malon and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem and Judah. But then it says there in verse 3, but Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died. She was left with her two sons. So there was four of them, but they're in Moab and her husband dies. Talk, talk about loss, talk about grief. And then it's like in the very next verse, it says, these took Moabite wives, which they weren't supposed to do according to, to Jewish law. They were supposed to marry within within the the nation of Israel. So for them to even marry outside of Israel was a big no-no. So the grief that she experienced through that. But then, in verse 5 it says, And both Malon and Kilian died. So that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. When you consider from Naomi's perspective, this is grief upon grief upon grief. Her husband and then both of her sons pass away. And and, and as we consider Ruth, The the anguish, the pain, the heartache of losing her husband. The extent of the grief that she was experiencing can only truly be understood by someone who has gone through the same kind of grief. And 
And then as we continue on with the story in verses 6 through 14, it highlights as Naomi is heading back to Judah because she hears that the Lord has visited them. But we see there three different times she tells both of her daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah, to turn around. In verse 8, it says, But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go! Return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. And then verse 11. But Naomi said, turn back my daughters. Why will you go with me? And then verse 12. Turn back my daughters. Go your way for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons. Would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me. For your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept. Talk about emotional distress. It was the second time that it said that they wept. We we see that uh, once again in verse 9 where it says, uh, Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. This was not an easy road that these women were, ex- were, were on. It was not an easy set of, of circumstances that they were experiencing. And Naomi understood and she was telling them, go back to Moab, go back to Moab. Three times. And it ended up influencing Orpah to return back to Moab. You see that in verse 14. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth clung to her. Pain and grief and loss serves to bring to the surface What's really inside of us? It's a time of testing. And and for Orpah, it led to her turning her back on Naomi, her mother-in-law, and going back to Moab. But... For Ruth, even though I'm sure it was tempting to go back to her mother, to go back to her family, to her people in Moab, in the midst of the pain and the hurt and the suffering that she was experiencing, she didn't. She clung to Naomi. We all experience loss and hurt and grief. As we look at our world today, it seems like every week we're hearing about someone 
someone who we know or someone who our friends know who just passed away. And a lot of times we can see it out there, but then when we consider it, a lot of times it hits home for each and every one of us. Each of us could give a testimony of the pain and the grief that we have experienced and felt from losing someone who was so close to us. It's like I even just think, even just in this year for Aaron and I, with us losing our nephew in the car accident in May, and then my brother in September, and others, friends. And, and each of us could share stories of losing ones that we know and love. And, and you know what happens when we go through those times of the, the grief and the hurt and the pain... It can be easy to question and to say, God, why did you let this happen? Why? What's going on? And and there's a certain sense in which we can really become bitter in our hearts. And there's others around us who say, well, just go to the things of the world to try to bring some relief to the grief that you're experiencing. Just like Naomi, she was telling her daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth, just go back, go back, go back to Moab. There's no hope. And, and, and I mean, that's what she said. Like, even if I were to have a husband today and would get pregnant, would you wait for that child to grow up to marry him? She's saying there's no hope. And for Ruth, she has no children. She lost her husband. It's a very seemingly hopeless situation from the outside. But instead of giving in to the temptation to run away from God, she does the opposite. She she brings her pain and her suffering and her sorrow and her grief And commits herself to God. The holiday times can be hard as we consider the ones that we love and have lost. And it can be tempting to go and find some kind of relief in different temptations and things of this world. To try to numb the pain and the grief and the hurt. To to run back to old ways. The truth is, is those things will never satisfy us. And they may numb the pain for a while, but they will never really deal with it. What we see in Ruth's brokenness, in in her 
state where Naomi confessed that she was bitter, but Ruth, really, when we would look at her life, we would say, we could understand if she was bitter. But she didn't run from God. She ran to Him. See, Jesus is King. Oh, come, all you unfaithful to Him. And we see that she ran to the Lord in verses 15 through 18, where it highlights that Jesus is King. Come to Him with an unconditional commitment. In verse 15, it says, And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Three times before this, Naomi had told her daughters-in-law, go back to Moab. Orpah gave in and she did. Ruth clung to Naomi. And then once again, Naomi said, go, follow your sister-in-law. But then listen to what Ruth said. Listen to this conviction. Listen to this stubbornness in a good way. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you. Or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also. If anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. Ruth spoke with conviction. In the midst of her grief, in the midst of her hurt, in the midst of her pain, and when she was compelled and encouraged to go back to the land from where she came, she responded with conviction and she said no. I am committed to you, Naomi. Do not urge me to leave you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people. This is huge. She's saying, I am turning my back on my people, on my very identity of being a Moabitess. I'm going to convert to become a Jew. That's huge. But then this one phrase packs such a punch. And your God, my God. Orpah had gone back to the Moabites. And she went back to their gods. Who aren't real gods. Naomi's God is Yahweh, the one true and living God, the one who created all things, the one who promised to send the Deliverer, the Messiah, the one who would crush the head of the serpent. And so by faith, Ruth was not only committing herself to Naomi, she was giving a full and unconditional commitment To the one true and living God. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus. To Jesus himself who is the King of Kings. And 
She didn't know what it would mean. She didn't know what the future held. She didn't know what it would mean, this unconditional commitment to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But in the midst of her grief, in the midst of her hurt, she came to the Lord and she surrendered everything to Him. She turned her back on the gods of her land and looked to the one true and living God. She bowed her knee before the king of kings. And she had no idea that one day in that little town of Bethlehem, she would meet a man named Boaz, who was the son of Rahab. Isn't that incredible to think about? Boaz was the son of Rahab, the prostitute, whose life had been turned around. And you come to the end of Ruth chapter 4, verse 13. It says, So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And when we go here to Matthew chapter 1, you see... In chapter, in chapter 1, verse 5, And Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. And you come down to verse 16, And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. What an incredible story. What, what an incredible testimony. And, and it all flowed from this key verse in Ruth chapter 1 where she says, You're God, my God. A, a complete and total surrender. To the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Without knowing what the future would, would bring. In the midst of her grief. In the midst of her pain. Bringing that to the Lord. And saying, I surrender completely. When I was at Bible school, we had... Um, a teacher who challenged us to before the Lord say, Lord, here I am, I surrender. 
All that I am, all that I have, all that I ever hope to be, I give to you. Not knowing what it's going to mean. Not knowing what the, what the outcome's going to be. And I say that knowing that there are people in here who that is your heartbeat before the Lord. A total and unconditional surrender to the King Jesus. And I want to encourage you. And I want to encourage myself each day continually. Surrender to him. And cling to him and commit to him. Just as Ruth did to Naomi. And, to, and by that to the one true living God. We don't know what it's going to lead to. We don't know what the rest of our story is going to be. But maybe there's someone here who you've trusted in Christ, but you know that there's things in your life where you aren't completely surrendered to the Lord. Certain sins, things that you think are hidden, that you go to to find some relief from the grief, from the pain, from the hurt. I want to encourage each and every one of us to, like Ruth, turn back and say no to that temptation to go back to the old ways and commit wholly to Jesus, the King. Jesus is King. O come all you unfaithful to him. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak to us through your word. Father, thank you for the life of Ruth. Thank you how in the midst of her grief and her sorrow and her pain, she didn't run away from you, but she ran to you. And she trusted in you. And Father, I pray that for each and every one of us with the grief and the hurt and the pain that we have, that we won't run away from you, but that we will run, run to you in complete surrender and commitment to you. That we would be people of conviction like Ruth, who said to Naomi, where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Lord, we come to you, and we entrust ourselves to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.